It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Thanks for dialing our way today. Patrick Johnson here with you. Ben Byron producing the program uh, today. We've got a uh, great lineup coming up. We'll hear from Coach Houston in our Pirate Report. We're also going to hear from uh, Kim McNeil, ECU women's basketball coach, coming up in just a bit. The uh, Pirates are opening their season on Monday. Uh, They'll do so against South Carolina State. So we'll uh, preview the ECU women's season with Coach McNeil, and we'll uh, also have Jim Zoki on a little bit later in the show. Zoke uh, talking about... uh, the uh, tough loss for the Panthers in Atlanta. And then we've got uh, a look ahead to Cincinnati. Uh, we have uh, a story that kind of emerged yesterday. Gonzaga's athletic director apparently met in person with the Big 12 commissioner last week as part of a set of broader discussions about the Zags joining the Big 12. Uh, Pete Famel uh, reporting this for ESPN. The discussions are part of... Uh, are are part of the possibility of a seismic move of the basketball powerhouse leaving the West Coast Conference for a power conference. Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark met with uh, the Gonzaga Athletic Director Chris uh, Standiford. Apparently in Frisco, Texas, while the Zags were in the Dallas area to play Tennessee in a scrimmage. Uh, The move backs up uh, Yormark's promises of the Big 12 to be aggressive and open for business and could end up shifting the landscape of college basketball. Reading from the article here, sources indicate that Gonzaga has been exploring its conference options as it emerged as one of the premier basketball programs in the country. Both the Pac-12 and Big East have been engaged with Gonzaga as well, according to sources, but the extent of those conversations is uncertain. This is interesting because when there was all of this going around last year about who might be leaving the ACC, which, I mean, I think we've debunked on this show that nobody's leaving the ACC anytime soon because it's just going to cost them too much money with their grant of rights and how many years are left on that uh, agreement with uh, ESPN and and the ACC. The ACC is going to have to kind of figure it out, but there was a lot of uh, chatter that you could see the Big East maybe emerge as some kind of uh, destination for Gonzaga, but also for Duke. Uh, as well in Kansas. So, you know, obviously this would put Gonzaga in the Big 12 uh, with Kansas, with Baylor. Texas, uh, obviously in there. So, I mean, some real, you know, kind of power programs. And that's why I say don't count out Duke despite their traditionally horrid football. Uh, maybe being a part of something that would go to the Big Ten eventually or, or somewhere else because they've, you know, these TV deals, and look, football drives the bus, we all know that, but these TV deals, it's it's uh, it's an interesting thing. Uh, you got to have uh, some programming, you know, in, in the winter months because that's part of the deal. So 
Uh, anyway, that uh, story is uh, out there. I just thought that was really very interesting. Uh, we've got more World Series action tonight after the no-hitter last night. So uh, everything just kind of plugging along here. We'll break uh, because we do need to get to our pirate report. we got Kim McNeil and we've got... Uh, We've got uh, Jim Zoki on the program today, so stay with us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. You won't want to miss a thing. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. There were some opening comments from Mike Houston after uh, the practice on Wednesday. Second practice of the bye week. Uh, it's been good to be able to you know, take some time after uh, Friday night's game and uh, you know, got some guys, got a little bit of rest for some of the guys you know, early in the week and then um, you know, a little bit of different practice uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, a lot of focus on obviously Cincinnati and some beginning install with them, uh, and also you know a chance to look at some different things, some younger players, and uh, see if we got some guys that are ready to play a little bit more, and you know things like that. And so it's been a really positive week so far. Well, we'll practice again tomorrow and uh, have a little uh, scrimmage with our uh, young uh, guys, our scout guys, uh, at the end of practice. I expect that to be really lively. That's usually something that uh, you know the older guys really enjoy. You know, getting to you know cheer the young guys on and all that stuff. So uh, that'll be good. Pirate report rolls on. Mike Houston with some uh, comments, and uh, he gave a uh, summary of the BYU victory. You know, looking at the film from last Friday night. You know, obviously a. Uh, a great college football game and a very emotional win uh, on the road. Tough place to win, tough place to play. Uh, so, you know, post-game, you know, you're euphoric. And, you know, you go back and you look at the film uh, and just hard our kids played. Uh, I'm pleased with the composure that we demonstrated, uh, the way we competed. Uh, certainly, uh, we made some mistakes. Uh, but I think some of that's BYU. I mean, that's a really good football team. That, that offensive front uh, may have been the best offensive front we've seen so far this year, um, and you know they got some guys on both sides of the ball that are you know really really talented college football players. And, you know, there's probably a lot of those guys you're going to see playing uh, on Sundays. So uh, you know to go out and uh, to be able to find a way to win a game like that on the road uh, in that environment. I mean, that was we've played a lot of a lot of loud environments you know in my career, uh, and and that one's up there. I mean, it's I don't know if it's the loudest, but it's it's up it's up there, and uh, that was a factor in the ball game. And you know, thankfully, we'd uh, done an adequate enough job to preparing for it. Um, you know, so we didn't have any you know, major issues. But just uh, you know, reflecting back, uh, I think it's just a a, a a big win for our program. Coach Houston says they're glad to be at the bye week, and so uh, I'm kind of glad you got uh, the bye week right now because you can you can appropriately celebrate that thing on Sunday and also be able to turn the page firmly uh, for what is, you know, another big ball game next Friday night. And, you know, certainly we'll all be watching, you know, Navy and Cincinnati, um, you know, this weekend uh, along with some other matchups. Uh, but, you know, the focus right now for our roster is on uh, Cincinnati. And so it'll be good to watch them this weekend. And then, you know, Sunday, you know, we talked with our team just about, you know, Sunday kind of starts the fourth quarter of our season. And, 
So the kids will be very, very motivated. I, I know that we'll have a, a solid week of preparation next week, and, and we have a great challenge. I mean, Cincinnati is, is very, very good again this year, uh, very talented. Um, you know, that's playing at, uh, you know, at Cincinnati in Nippert Stadium is going to be uh, a huge challenge also. Uh, they have a great support there, great environment. Um, you know, another Friday night game, so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's probably, I mean, I expect it to be very electric in their stadium. So um, just, you know, pleased where we are right now and excited about uh, what we got, uh, the balance of the way with the season. So, Yep, that is uh, coming up a week from tomorrow, and uh, our coverage will begin at 5 o'clock on the 11th. The uh, coach of the Pirates, Mike Houston, uh, talking about uh, balancing the preps for Cincinnati and then also uh, fine-tuning some things with the team this week well we spent a lot of time doing that this week also and I think it's I think it's the perfect time for that I think it's the perfect time to evaluate you know what you've been doing uh, you know make sure that if there if there are tendencies that uh, you know the opponent can pick up on that we do a good job of you know adjusting some things and changing some things uh, during this week uh, so I think that's that's been another big piece of this week for our coaching staff and coach Houston uh, kind of evaluating the season today I'm pleased I mean, ideally, you'd like to be 9-0, um, and you could sit here and probably argue that, but, uh, uh, but I'm, I'm pleased with our development and our improvement. Uh, I'm pleased with how uh, you know, our kicking game has continued to improve. Um, I think, uh, you can check me if I'm wrong, but going into this weekend, I think we have the number one kickoff coverage team in the country. Uh, so that's you know that's, that's shown drastic improvement over last year. We said we wanted to make that uh, you know something we improved on in the off season. So uh, uh, I think that uh, you know our offensive execution, uh, particularly the you know the way we've uh, done a great job taking care of the football. Uh, I mean it's just it is just blaring in your face. Uh, you know when we do a great job of with winning the turnover battle, uh, you know that's those are the games we've won. And uh, conversely, when we've lost it, you know, those are the games we've struggled to win. So um, I think I'm, I'm pleased with, you know, how I think Holton's playing the best ball of his career right now. I think that, uh, you know, so many of the guys surrounding him are, you know, playing the best ball of their careers. And that's, you know, offensive line, receivers, running backs, tight ends. I mean, you have a lot of guys that are, you know, just gelling together. And so I think when I say I'm pleased, I'm just I'm pleased with how that group has really come along together. Uh, and you can say the same thing defensively. Uh, I'm, I'm pleased with you know, how we've continued to play really, really well, uh, you know, for the balance of the season defensively. And certainly we've had our moments when we didn't play as well. But um, I think that, uh, you know, for the most part, we've been, you know, week in, week out, pretty highly competitive on both sides of the ball and, and really improved in the special teams phase. We're highly competitive in all three phases. Coach Houston elaborating on what it means for the program to be bowl eligible. I think it means a lot to all of us. Um, you know, I, I, I try, I mean, I, I listen, I, I do mention, you know, how far the, the team, the kids, the program has come because, I mean, it was, it was tough to find, you know, things to get excited about that first year. But, you know, from the time I took the job, that's basically all I heard around town. You got, Coach, you got to get us back in bowl games. You got to get us back in bowl games. And I think that a lot of our players were pretty vocal about it, but that's, you know, Holton was very vocal about it. You know, he, he came here to get ECU back to where it was when he was growing up. And that's, you know, competing at a high level, competing for championships, you know, going to the postseason, bowl games, things like that. 
Coach Rosanna asked, does uh, being bowl eligible this year validate last year? Uh, last year was significant, obviously, uh, but this year is, you know, kind of validates last year, you know, because you're bowl eligible and you're bowl eligible before the, before the month of November. And so back-to-back uh, -back seasons, I don't, you guys, you know, know the history better than I do, but it's probably back to 13, 14 is the last time that, uh, you know, back-to-back -back seasons of being bowl eligible. So I'm really just, I'm proud of the, the players, I'm proud of the coaches, I'm proud of the support staff, the administration, because, you know, this wasn't just, it certainly wasn't me. I mean, it's, uh, I know it's, it's like I told Holton, you know, a lot. It's just, you know, when, you, when, when you're the head coach and you're the quarterback and you lose, you get, you get more blame than you probably deserve. But when you win, you probably get more credit than you deserve. Uh, but the investment that the administration, the investment that East Carolina University made uh you know when i took the job and certainly it's you know it's i, I know that the, you sit here and you say well we need this and we need that but they have they are working very very hard to invest in east carolina football and so are the players the players i mean their commitment level i i cannot stress to you how important it has been and how huge of a piece it's been the commitment level of the players in our program right now versus the commitment level that was here in 2019 is just like night and day. And, th and then Coach Houston uh, talking about uh, that everybody on the team has bought in. Uh, the players, they, they, you're not having to beat them to get them into the weight room. You're not having to beat them to get them into the training room. You're not having to beat them to get them to watch film. You know, they're doing these things because they're self-motivated and they're motivated by their, you know, their peers and you have strong leadership and the, the evidence is every Saturday or Friday or Thursday or whenever we play on the field in that that first year, I mean, we physically were outmatched, uh, especially up front. Um, now, we, f we feel very good each week that we're, I mean, at that team we played last Friday night, I mean, that's a big, strong, athletic front on both sides of the ball. And our kids competed very, very well. And so the commitment level uh, in this program uh, is just something that I'm, 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 I'm very pleased with. And just our coaches, they work very, very hard. They work long hours. Uh, they're dedicated. But they, you know, the culture that they have within our staff, you know, if you walk around our offices, you're going to see people with a smile on their face. Uh, you're going to see people that are trying to help each other out. I think that carries over into the uh, locker room with how the relationships with the kids. And I just, so I just say that just, there's a lot of people that invested a lot. And uh, I appreciate John Gilbert. I appreciate Chancellor Rogers. Uh, and I appreciate that everything they've done to support us. But, uh, you know, it's, it's very, very uh, rewarding to see the program, you know, back where we all wanted it to be. And there is still a possibility that the team could play in a conference uh, and for a conference championship. They know it. I don't have to address it. They know. So uh, it's a big ball game for us. I don't want to make it any bigger than uh, I need to make it, because. Uh, but we always, I mean, we talk about one and zero, and you know, this week, you know, each week, this week is the biggest game of the year. So, uh, you know, that mindset's been instilled in them. But it's a big ball game for us. It's a big ball game for Cincinnati. So they've got to focus on Navy right now. I'm sure as soon as they finish that game, they'll be fully focused on us. But it's going to be a good matchup, and we got a huge challenge. Couple more here. Uh, recruiting lifeblood of any program, and uh, coach on that during this open week. Yeah, we have we had a couple racing from practice today, trying not to miss flights. So, uh, 
the bulk of our staff will leave tonight. Uh, we'll have a few tomorrow to um, function with practice. Uh, and then all of us will be involved in recruiting on uh, Friday and Saturday. Uh, so, you know, we're going to have guys all over the country, to be honest with you. We're going to try to see all of our commits. Uh, you know, we, we're very, very close on some uh, other guys that I think, uh, you know, between now and Christmas we'll uh, shore up those guys. So, uh, and then there's, you, know, you always check in on guys that you, you know, maybe are getting a late start on or they might have decommitted from somewhere else or something like that. So uh, that'll be a big emphasis for the balance of the week. And then wrapping up here, Coach Houston talking about uh, the offensive line play. We look like an American Athletic Conference offensive line. I mean, that's, I mean, and you guys have been watching for years. It, it, that's, that's a start, okay? Uh, second is you've got a bunch of guys that have played a lot of snaps. Uh, you can never experience. Why is Holton Naylor playing so well? He's got a lot of experience. Uh, I think you can say the same thing for the offensive line. And I think the third thing is exactly what you're talking about. Uh, they've, they've gelled together. Uh, they have you know, their ability to communicate because a lot of the communication is post-snap. You know, you, you start seeing some of these defenses that, you know, twist and bring people, bring people from all over the place. And it, I mean, it ain't easy to trade off a, a twist and pick up a blitzer. I mean, it takes a lot of work and a lot of communication, a lot of just, you know, guys that are, you know, in, in sync playing together. So uh, I think it's a lot of factors right there. Um, I, would say, I would say another factor is just, you know, who those kids are, you know, their dedication. Uh, and I think that's... I think that's another thing that's very strong uh, in the program right now. When we come back, Jim Zoki will be with us. Uh, we'll talk about the Panthers' weekly uh, visit with uh, Jim Zoki from the Panthers Radio Network. But right now, here is a 94-3 The Game sports update with Ben. Panthers coming up on Sunday. We'll be taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. Tough luck Cincinnati this year. Panthers, uh, I asked Jim Jim Zoki, by the way, Panthers Radio Network. We always love to have Jim on uh, with us on Thursdays. I, I asked Jim before he went on, you know, what's is it an upbeat camp uh, around Panthers uh, camp? And he said yes. So uh, that's good, Jim. I guess that's the good in all of this because, boy, that was uh, that was really frustrating Sunday. Yeah, no, that, that part is true. That's, I mean, you saw, for example, DJ Moore just sitting in front of the bench afterwards. No doubt that stings. It hurts. You feel for Eddie Pinheiro. You know, he, you know, he let every fan down. That's, I can't even imagine what that's like for his own. We get mad at, like, Eddie Pinheiro. It's like, what does Eddie Pinheiro feel, right? He's like, he knows he let down, like, two states and, like, <laughs> all the fans and all that <laughs> stuff. That's got to be hard for him. You have to have a short memory, but... In general, it's upbeat because, you know what, they're, they're doing something that's fun that not a lot of people get to do. They're playing better, honestly. It's got a little different vibe, I think, as far as with new coach Steve Wilkes and opportunities for young players that weren't there, so contributions coming from guys who weren't playing before. So it's um, not ideal. No one wants to be two and six. Right. Um, but on the other hand, it's like it's, it's not doom and gloom by any means as far as the tone and the practices and all that. That was a, I mean, talk about a throw by PJ Walker and an even better catch by DJ Moore though. I mean, you know, he had a right to be excited, but got to leave the, got to leave the hard hat on. But I mean, just that whole play, that was pretty miraculous. I, I enjoyed your guys call of it too. That was uh that was pretty exciting in itself. 
I mean, you don't expect it, right? You think all they have to do is take a fence to the end zone. The only thing they'll teach you is the guy in the end zone, and there he is. And they got a linebacker as one of the two guys that are covering him. So it's like, what's going on? It's like, it's just, I mean, as many times as we see, you know, in a college or pro season, you know, those kind of things can happen and do happen. It's still stunning that it does happen, and it's great when it happens for your team. But, yeah, we all know what happened after that. But how far have we come, Patrick, that in like two or three weeks, they wouldn't let PJ like throw beyond the line of scrimmage for an entire game in LA. <laughs> and now he has like the next gen stats, longest throw in the air in the history of next gen stats and for a touchdown. So that was, uh, it was an amazing, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks. I mean, we knew he had a strong arm. It was right. like, they didn't know that, but now they, they trust him. Panthers radio network. I was going to ask, I mean, did, did you know he had that in him? And then you, you kind of answered that, uh, yeah, that, he does, that yeah. question there, but I guess it's, as you say, it's a trust factor, right? Yeah, it's more about, you know, let's not lose the game. It was Steve's uh, first game as head coach, and I thought they felt like if I could just run it, get to the fourth quarter, play good defense, and maybe sneak one out. But, you you know, in this league, they'll figure you out. And once they figure it out, that's all you're doing. And you never came off of that. <laughs> Everybody goes, oops, that was a bad idea. Uh, you have to get that balance in your approach to at least show some other things, even if it's a long incompletion. So now, you know, the next week they came off of that, we've seen the results. I mean, they've been – a lot more interesting. It scored 34 points. Um, passing game is back. You know, we've got the running game. We're in that. To me, the pass game opens up the running game. So, you have to throw to run, right? So, that's helping out Deontay Foreman and everybody else running the ball. You know, I'm looking uh, at, you know, and, and we, we love the hashtag reports and the hashtag sources. Uh, but uh, Panthers opted to keep more uh, and uh, Brian Burns. And uh, was that a case of you really couldn't afford to trade away all your good pieces or were, were the offers just not? Because apparently for, for Brian Burns, there were multiple offers. Yeah, they, I guess the um, was it the Rams, I think, offered two first, 24 and 25. But then you think, that, well, how, how low are those picks going to be, like 28? So it's like, yeah, better to have a really good football player that wants to be here, by the way. And DJ Moore wants to be here. Yeah. So it would be different if they wanted out. McCaffrey is just, a, you know, we see it. It's like one, maybe two running backs are drafted in the first round every year. Sometimes none. I remember say one year there wasn't even a running back taken in the first round. And it's just like you just can't overpay them. As good as he is, he's, he's exploding in San Francisco. God knows they'll probably go to the Super Bowl. Um, but for this team that's not going to the Super Bowl, $16 million a year for a running back. Since he's left in the last two weeks, Deontay Foreman's been 118 yards the last two weeks. I mean, you just have to be – you have to have a budget. You know, you can't have the champagne taste out of your budget. I just they, they can't afford him there. Now, you do see some young guys that want to be here that are talented to build a team around, and it's hard to come up with a edge rusher. That's like left tackles. Edge rushers, left tackles, at least one really good, you know, number one receiver. Um, you know, you got J.C. Horn as a corner. as guys like that you want to keep yeah. around Jeremy Chin. So you've got these young nucleus to build around. So you're not doing a total take it down to the studs, rebuild. Uh, and you got double picks with some picks next year. So if they draft good next year, you know, they can have a, a quick bounce. Um, I think Atlanta's kind of doing that. Next year, Atlanta gets out of salary cap hack. And so they're going to be in the same boat. So I think Atlanta and Carolina are two teams that are poised to make a big jump out next year. All right. We got Jim Zoki, Panthers Radio Network. Uh, Chuba Hubbard uh, back at practice, but limited. Uh, at least that was the report midweek. Um, what do you expect out of him? Yeah, I was out there today. So, you know, the, the, the day-to-day is a word right now. The feeling is, uh, reading the tea leaves, I think that's why, 
And okay. the nice thing is you don't have to play because you got Deontay Foreman. So I would think he would probably play it. And Steve Wilkes says, don't read into, like he said, you all talk about Chuba was the starter one week. He goes, after the first snap, everybody's a starter. So it doesn't matter if Chuba comes out first or Deontay yeah, Foreman right. or any, yeah. any position. It's, it's Honestly, it's more about who finishes the game when the game's on the line and stuff like that. So I, I expect to play from just the way that it sounds like it's going from Chuba and everyone else. And then um, we'll see how much he plays. But I think they'll probably ease him back. Yeah, I can imagine you get 25 touches and there really is no need for that. How close is Sam Darnold Zoki to full health? He is, I will tell you, a week because <laughs> they got to <laughs> activate him next week. Right. The window of 21 days will be closed. Uh, we talked to him today, and he's right there. I mean, obviously, Baker's already back, which was kind of surprising. Of course, he got back from his high ankle sprain. Uh, but I, I would think if not this week, it has to be next week for Sam because that's the window. Uh, he's been activated off uh, injured reserve. They have to activate him, so. Uh, if it's not this Sunday, it'll be next Thursday's game. So that's how close he is. So, Zoke, what happens with the, the quarterback position? Our coach will only talk about the game that's coming up. He will. That's a really smart approach, I think, for any coach, too. It limits the question. There's no subjectivity. There's no looking beyond the next opponent. There's no uh, just kind of guessing into the future. So he will only talk about Cincinnati. And so they'll deal with the – can you imagine, oh, no, we have too many quarterbacks. What do we do? We've never had that happen before. So we'll see what the pecking order is. And, you know, the way it is, you know, P.J., as long as he hits the hot hand and keeps playing well, we'll, we'll keep playing. And these guys know they'll back him up. And um, I think right now, unless he goes out there and lays an egg uh, in the Cincinnati game or gets hurt, um, those guys are going to have to watch for a while. So I think P.J.'s earned that right now. He's been, honestly, the most effective quarterback. I mean, uh, Baker is here because of Sam not playing better last year. Yeah, and then Baker had a chance; it wasn't that great. Um, so I think yeah, PJ they got a little, little something, something going. We'll see how long you can make that go on for. I like the Steve Wilkes my on to Cincinnati, and that's the case here on to Cincinnati with yeah, Jim e- even when you're not playing Cincinnati, yeah. just say it. I'm on to Cincinnati. <laughs> It just stops everybody in their tracks. Uh, we're <laughs> on to Cincinnati now with the great Jim Zoki, WBT Hall of Famer. Panthers Radio Network. It's always great to talk to Jim. Uh, do you think – what's up with the Bengals in your mind? I, I know there's some offensive line issues, but uh, and that seems like everybody who's having problems, it's because there are offensive line issues. But what's going on there because they still have, you know, a great quarterback. Uh, what, what's going on with uh, the Bengals? That's, that's a big part of it. I mean, you look at it again, I mean, it's like they got – Honestly, they got to the Super Bowl with a bad offensive line because well, Burrow yeah. got sacked, like, what, 50 times last year, yeah, right? Yeah. But, yeah, them, the Rams, Tampa Bay, you're right. Every week we do the same conversation. These really good teams, all these skill position guys, they know offensive line. And, again, they just their offensive line is not good. And Burrow got sacked five times by Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland blew the doors off of them. That wasn't even a game on Monday Night Football. That was shocking. Um, so, Jabbar Chase is now out, of course. Uh, he'll be out for about a month, so they don't have him. And, yeah, I know they got Higgins, they got Boyd, but, you know, it's second most targeted receiver in the NFL who had six touchdowns. He's gone uh, for a month for them now. So they're struggling. I think because of the, in part, because of their line, Joe Mixon can't get going at running right. back. He's had a terrible year. Check my fantasy league stats on that guy's killing me. But Joe Mixon isn't doing anything. So, um, and they're just okay on defense. So I, I think, you know, they, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender. I think they could be a playoff team again. Right, right. They got talent, no doubt about it. But, they don't scare me. I don't see them. I think Baltimore's going to win that division. I, I just don't see Cincinnati putting it together this year. It just seems like they got there last year, and I don't think they're going to get back to 
talk about Super Bowl. I don't think we're getting that far is what I'm saying. Yeah, they're a game back of uh, the, the Rams there in the AFC North uh, right now. And, uh, I mean, maybe a playoff team with the, you know, yeah, seven I mean, going now. Yeah, that, that yeah, might be the exactly. case. And, and, I mean, they're kind of in yeah. there. You know, you'd say Jets, Dolphins, Chargers in the AFC, Bengals. Um, I guess maybe the Colts, you know, I mean, that and the Browns. Obviously, Browns did a lot to kind of keep a pulse going, at least, you know, midway point with what they did the other night. So, and no, I mean, that's, that's probably what you're looking at. I think you're right. That's what you're kind of. You're playing for all that. I guess the Broncos, too. So that's that's part of it uh, as well. They they came yeah, up a with long a way to one. go. Yeah, oh, there's a there's a ton of football left to be uh, to be played. When you look at uh, Cincinnati defensively, Jim, what's what's going on with the Bengals on that side of the ball? You know, they um, they've got talent there. There's no doubt about it. But they don't really generate uh, much pass rush. They didn't, they didn't get the Jacoby Brissetta. I watched that whole game. Yeah, they didn't really get the Jacoby at all. And I think that's the key to beating. Like Cleveland is a pressure, you know, guy who's essentially a backup quarterback and for his great NC State player. But I mean, he is a something of a journeyman backup quarterback in this league, and he looked really, really good uh, because they weren't pressuring him. I think any pro quarterback, given time and a clean pocket, uh, can do that. And they were able. I mean, that's a, that's a running team, and they were able to throw at will in that game. So they got to generate a pass rush. I think is their biggest issue right now. So they're just not making on uh, defense big impactful plays. Uh, you know, they decent in the secondary, got some good coverage guys, some good linebacker guys, but not a ton of sacks, not, not like a big takeaway team on defense. So, uh, again, a team that's just, just okay on that side of the ball. It's not their strength. Offense is their strength. Uh, quick turnaround with the Falcons. It's in Charlotte, so there's that. You're, you're you know, at home for what that is worth, uh, and it's a team you just played. So a lot of what uh, you, you maybe did not didn't do against them uh, still is, uh, you know, obvious uh, – it could, could be pertinent for uh, for Thursday, but you know, I I just I hate these Sunday Thursday turnarounds in the NFL. I, I I think it's for for that sport in particular. I think it's the worst thing you could do. Well, and the worst part is if you're the road team, you got to travel on Wednesday. At least we're the home team. I got a short one for Atlanta, but still, it's a travel day. And so I agree. It's, there's nothing good about the quality of the football or the quality of the human being health uh, that makes any sense for that. For all their talk about concussions and CTEs and all this and that. We're we're a league filled with half artificial turf fields and guys playing on Thursdays after playing on Sundays. Uh, The only good thing is if you survive it, uh, then you got 10 days, 11 days to get ready for your next one. So that's that's the only thing. But, you know, this is that's not a good thing. I mean, really, it's just they should not be playing NFL football on on Thursday nights after guys have just played. They are no way healthy and recovered from their previous games to be able to do that. The guys that take the, the pounding, anyway, are not. They have run uh, college football off that night, too, by the way. And I, and I never liked it in college. I always thought it was a bad turnaround. Uh, even Saturday to Thursday is not a great turnaround uh, for, for college players. Uh, Jim Zoki, uh, we, uh, Jim, I, we'll figure out what we do next week. If anything, if we don't talk to you, I'm sure we'll talk to you uh, soon after that. But uh, thanks a lot for the time, as always, my friend. Anytime. Thanks, Patrick. You can hear the Panthers starting at noon Sunday on our sister station, Talk 103.7 WTIB, as it's Carolina taking on Cincinnati. We'll uh, return back to ECU Athletics, and we'll welcome uh, Coach Kim McNeil on the other side of this timeout as we will uh, preview the uh, women's basketball season for ECU here on the Patrick Johnson program. What set you free? I need you here, Bob. Yeah.
On Monday, ECU basketball season tips off as the Pirate women's team will play host to South Carolina State. One of our favorites is back on the line with us uh, here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Coach Kim McNeil joining us here on the uh, drive home. Coach, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm well. Uh, You're ready to go, aren't you? You're just, I mean, at this point, you and the players, it's time to see somebody that's not wearing a purple or gold jersey, isn't it? It is. Um, I think the girls are really excited about Monday. Um, They're excited to get in front of Pirate Nation and and show everybody what they've been working on since June. And I think uh, people are going to be happy with the product that we're going to put out there. Coach, a lot of newness to your program, but I think uh, depth-wise, this this appears to be a pretty – pretty good bunch that you've got a young bunch but uh and a bunch that's new around uh, one another but i mean this is a group that uh from a depth perspective this is this is a, a pretty deep team it would seem it is you know we do have um a lot of new kids i would say you know we have two transfers one from oklahoma state and, and micah dennis another one from the university of georgia and Kamora Jenkins, um, but also four freshmen to that group. So six new faces, um, yeah. two of those having some collegiate experience and four not. And then a, a good core group of returnees and Tierra Chambers and Neil, who half of her year, you know, when she was out dealing with a broken hand. Um, so she really didn't get to play any conference games. And then um, Alexia Rose um, is a returnee, um, started a lot for us last year, and then Samia Johnson. So those are the kids that got a lot of minutes for us, um, along with Morgan Moses. Mosley and the other kids are, you know, kids that got spot minutes here and there. So, you know, a good combination of, of, of youth, but also, you know, some good experience coming back as well. With uh, Sunia, she had a, you know, we're not supposed to know about these super top secret scrimmages, but uh, <laughs> they do happen. Uh, but uh, with Sunia, she played really well in, in, I believe, your last one for you, you were telling me. Yeah, she actually was the, the first one, the Elon. Um, Sunia, okay. She, she just. You know, Samia is a, is a um, just an energy kid. You know, she's she's the leader of our defense. She's one of our captains. You know, for a second year in a row, and she just she really gets us going defensively. And when she's on and at the top of our press and at the top of our one two two matchup, you know, she her energy just trickles down to everybody else. And you know, when she's up there causing havoc and getting deflections and getting out in transition, you know, which is really where she's you know makes her money and does a really good job for us. It just it it just puts us at another level defensively. And so. Really looking for her leadership up there, you know, defensively for us, you know, and, and getting us going in the press. We uh, have Coach Kim McNeil with us here, ECU and South Carolina State, Monday at 6 o'clock at uh, Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum. Amaya Joyner is uh, the newcomer, the freshman from, from Farmville. It was a big uh, get for this ECU program. I mean, you're talking about a, a four-star recruit, I believe the highest recruit in program history. How has she handled the transition? There's expectations. I mean, she certainly had a lot of eyes on her during the course of her uh, her basketball career. But it's going to be good to have that sort of kid from the backyard because, you know, you, you should have some, some, some really interested fans that have followed her throughout her whole life playing basketball. Yeah, we're super excited to have Amaya as a part of our family. You know, she's been here since June 12th um, and has done an unbelievable job just um, just with everything, being in a new environment, you know, the expectations that we have of her both on and off the court and in the classroom. And just she's handled that well. You know, she, she obviously is a freshman and she's learning and a lot of things are new to her. But 
she's just a really, really good person, very unselfish. You know, our, our kids make comment to it all the time that, you know, you know, Mama is a, a top 70 kid in the country, you know, in our program, but you would never know it. Like, she's so unselfish. There are times in practice where our players have to tell her, Mama, you have to be selfish. Like, stop passing so much. You know, she loves to pass. She loves to get her teammates involved. And she can just do so many different things for us, Patrick. I mean, she can rebound. She can start the break. She can shoot the three. She can put it on the floor. She can pass. She can rebound. I mean, she's just the most talented player that I think that ECU has ever you know, had and definitely one of the most talented players I've ever coached in my head coaching career. Do you find that sometimes with young players, especially those that are, you know, just wanting to to be a good teammate? I mean, it seems like that that happens sometimes uh, where where somebody's maybe a little too unselfish, I guess. And and I think she just she wants to she wants to be light. She wants to do whatever she feels she has to do in order for the team to be successful. Like. It's not about Amaya. It's not about her. It's not about, you know, the, 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 the thing that she came in with. It's not about her ranking. It's about what can she do to help ECU women's basketball be successful. Um, and, and obviously she's still figuring out the college game, you know, the pace, you know, the, you know, the, the three second count, you know, is different in, right. in high school. You yeah. know, you can, you know, one foot in is three seconds versus two feet in is in high school. So there's a lot of different things that she's learning, but you know, she, she she's in the gym. She's working on our game with Coach Jeff. You know, she's in here watching film. She's just she's always smiling. She she just she wants to please. And so, you know, that's that's a, a unique piece about her. But you know, speaking of the Farmville situation with people in the crowd, like I can't wait to see what Monday's going to look like. And I, I think that you know, there are going to be some people that are going to be pleasantly surprised about Mama and her development and where she's come since she's been here since June. Yeah, well, hope a lot of folks will show up for the opener on Monday. Uh, we'll have it on ESPN+. Plus. I'm excited to be there. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'll be I'll be there with our, our pal Debbie Taylor. Uh, but uh, 6 o'clock, head on out to uh, Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum on Monday. We got uh, Coach Kim McNeil with us here. This is a group that, uh, as you mentioned, the, the freshmen and a couple of uh, players out of the portal. How is this group, uh, you know, blended together and, and as far as – uh, establishing a sisterhood and then pushing one another. If you like what you've seen so far from that perspective. You know, when we go out and we recruit young women it, for, for us, it's not just about just being a talented basketball player. It's about being a good person. Um, and so the chemistry piece for us is always important. The culture is what we've got written on the back of our practice jerseys, our family environment. Um, you know, it, it's, it's first priority. And so, you know, we do a lot of things off the court together. You know, this summer we did ropes course. We did a field day. We went up town and did axe throwing. We do a lot of community service, Patrick. So we do a lot of things together that have absolutely nothing to do with basketball, but it's all about developing our chemistry. It's all about, you know, giving back and have a giving heart and understanding that we are truly blessed to be student athletes here at East Carolina. But, you know, we've never had an issue with the chemistry off the floor. You know, sometimes when you're bringing in kids that were the best player at their high school, right. that were the only kid that could score, you know, average 30 points a game, didn't really have any other people around them, you know, it takes time to develop that chemistry and for them to understand that, you know, it's not just you. You know, you do have other teammates that can do other things and you can play off of each other. So that's really what we've been working on. We're going to always be known for our defense. We are a defensive, grinded-out type of team but I have put more focus on the offensive end of the floor this year and just sharing the ball and playing together and running our offense and working through our offense and scoring on the back end of things. And 
we had a scrimmage on Saturday, and I was really pleased with where we were offensively. Now it, it's still we still got some growth, um, and it's still going to be you know some ups and downs with it. But I'm really happy with where we are right now, and I like the the scoring power that we have. We have multiple kids that can score the ball this year. Yeah, uh, Coach, uh, describe your defense. I mean, I don't know if, you, if that means philosophically kind of how it lines up, but I mean, defensively, how would you, you know, describe it to the, to the novice fan or to, to anybody in the pirate nation? What, what do you all like to do defensively? And if you want to get a little basketball geek too, that's fine. But I, you know, I, I just, <laughs> I think that that is um, what you all can do defensively is, is pretty special. And that's been a hallmark since you arrived in Greenville. Yeah, I would, there's a lot of words that can describe it. Grimy, grindy, Havoc, um, you know, we, we, we talk about it every day. It's, it's a mentality um, that you have to have. And, you know, they know this, that that's their identity. You know, they know that, that at the end of the day, that's how we're going to win games. And, you know, when you come out and watch us play, we don't play pretty basketball. So if you want to come out and watch a pretty team that, you know, is going to walk the ball down the floor and, you know, play at a slow pace and play real pretty, we're not the team to watch. You know, we're going to get up and down the floor you know, we're going to get after defensively. We're going to dive on the floor. We're going to take charges. We're going to be aggressive. Um, so, it, you know, it's a very aggressive mentality. But it, it definitely causes havoc. And, you know, that 40 minutes of pressure on you, you know, can wear you down. And, and, and so, you know, you know, we pride ourselves on forcing 20-plus turnovers a game. You know, we want to get at least, you know, if half of those points off of, off of, you know, in transition and off of our defense. You know, I just feel like defense travels rebounding travels um, and your defense can create offense for you. You know, if you're getting out and getting steals and you're finishing on the other end, it creates offense for you. So, you know, that will always be, you know, at the top of, you know, our, our totem pole when it comes to our identity and who we are. And we will always be a team that will get after it and play hard. Uh, Coach Kim McNeil's with us. You have five games at home to start the season. Uh, you always love to play at home if you can. Will that be, you think, especially important for this particular group because of the newness and everybody sort of getting to know one another? I do. I think it's a great way for us to get off to a good start. Um, I think that's important this year, you know, for us to build, continue to build the confidence, you know, continue to teach these young women how to win. Um, you know, when you're, when you're taking over a program and you're rebuilding, you know, the first step is, you know, changing the culture, um, both on and off the court and, and teaching them how to win. And I think um, if we can get off to a good start, you know, at home playing so much. I even think like our out of about 13 games non-conference, I think eight to nine of them are at home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we do tend to play very well at home. So, you know, the whole point and structure of this schedule was to really build confidence because we felt like this year, um, our fourth year of just, you know, having the chemistry, having some kids come back to understand. Like last year we had three new kids in the starting lineup that did not know our defense. And it takes time to learn it. And I think they started picking it up more. So at the end of the year, well, this year we have four returnees that are in the defense right. that understand and know the defense. So that makes it a lot easier. So we're looking forward to having a great year this year. We wanted to make sure that we got off to a good start non-conference. You know, our goal, you know, our players have said it, the goal is to go into conference play with double figure wins. Coach, uh, how do you, obviously you, uh, South Florida has been US, UCF too, but South Florida has sort of been, uh, the class of the league uh, the last several years. Uh, how do you see the American stacking up? And uh, uh, who, how do you see the Pirates uh, stacking up in the conference? 
You know, Patrick, I, I think our league doesn't get enough credit. I think the American Women's Basketball League is, is much better than people um, give it respect for. Um, there are some unbelievable coaches in this league. There's some unbelievable players in this league. And every year, you know, in non-conference, we, we beat a lot of Power 5 teams. Um, so I just don't think we get enough credit. So, yeah. you know, every day is a battle. You know, every day is a fight. You know, you can't you, – you're not going to look on the schedule and say, hey, this game we should win – it just doesn't work that way. I mean, it's a battle every day. You know, as you said before, South Florida, you know, has, has been the leader along with Central Florida. Um, and you just never know what to expect from them. You know, Jose does a really good job of recruiting overseas. So half the time you don't even know who those players are. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, Houston's going to be really good this year. SMU's returning a lot of good players. You know, Tulsa's returning a lot. You know, Temple's got a whole new, uh, new coaching staff, but they – brought in some really good players. So it's going to be a fun American season. And, and, and every every game, you have to bring your A game. It's going to be a battle every single night. Well, that tune-up for the uh, conference starts on Monday. South Carolina State, 6 o'clock at Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum. Hope there's a lot of folks out there uh, for that game because uh, the Amaya Joiner, but also this is going to be an exciting team to watch as uh, Coach McNeil continues to uh, – uh, you know, now build upon that foundation. I think the foundation's there. It's now building upon it with uh, yeah. with this program. I, I want to make mention of one other thing here. Uh, you and your your husband, you talk about being ingratiated in the community. You, you've got that flavor, that taste, that experience of Greenville Little League. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're a baseball mom, huh? I am. I am, and a softball mom. Yeah, softball uh, mom, a baseball yep, mom, have, and a, a softball mom. Well, they, they look, yeah, that's, that's big, too, in Pitt County. That's huge, too. It is. It is. You know, we have a set of twins, Gabrielle and Caden. This year, um, they turned nine back in January, and so Caden was eligible, you know, uh, to, to start Greenville Little League, and, and it is intense. It is. We <laughs> were blessed. We were blessed to be drafted by um, Brown and Wood. Okay. And so, Ramey, Ramey Steins is Caden's coach, and you know, he, he just he, – he's feisty and intense just like Corey and I. So it was an easy transition for us, not as easy for Caden. It took him time to really adjust. But um, Greenville Little League is, is unbelievable, and they just do a really good job, you know, for these young kids and just giving them an experience. Um, I hang out with M Street every weekend. Like, that's where we went. My kids and my mom is in town. She mm-hmm. takes them to M Street. They hang out. It's just a, a great place for your family, a great place for young kids and – you know, with my daughter with Pitt County with the softball. It's just Greenville is an unbelievable place to raise a family. Um, this is this is their home and they will tell you that Greenville, North Carolina is their home. Even though they were born in Charlottesville, Virginia. Yeah. My twins will tell you that Greenville, North Carolina is their home. That's cool. That's great. Hey, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you next week a couple of times. Thank you for taking a few minutes uh, with us here today and uh, looking forward to the season opener on Monday. Thank you, Patrick. Look forward to seeing you as well. ECU women opening the college basketball season Monday at 6 against South Carolina State. Big thanks to Jim Zoki for being on with us here today. Also, Kim McNeil. Thanks to Ben Byram for uh, his efforts. Uh, I'm going to be off tomorrow. Ben will be in to wrap up the week. And then uh, with my television obligations, uh, Ben will be here certainly uh, Monday and Tuesday. And uh, right now the plan is to have me back Wednesday uh, and then uh, out Thursday next week with, uh, again, TV obligations. And then, of course, next Friday, we'll have uh, ECU pregame coverage for uh, Pirates of Cincinnati on the grid. Have a great rest of your uh, evening. Have a great weekend. Be safe, and uh, we'll catch you next week.